log, star date 7403.6. Pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vendorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, boo. Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome to Drawn to Trek. We are back to talk about season two, episode three. Woo! We'll always have Tom Paris. And I'm here with my my lovely co-host, Jesse Gender, who is I'm back here. from being I'm alive. I'm not, I'm not dead. Huzzah! I'll take it. <laughs> Yay! That's it. well, and it, that's a good uh, that kind of references what's happening this week too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. And just back, back from the dead, just with no explanation. <laughs> exactly. Except for my explanation is two trips to the urgent care and and overcoming a severe sinus infection. So it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, you jokingly said that I gave you the sinus infection to begin with because <laughs> yeah. I had that before. Yeah. So that's why we we are actually delayed on all of our recordings, even though we have screeners, which just allows us to get ahead. Mm-hmm. We're not ahead. Uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're just barely scraping by. <laughs> yeah. This is like just what, like four hours before the episode comes out at this point. <laughs> yeah. We're getting we're we're ahead of the game a little uh, bit, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I do have to admit, like the the recording that we did last week for all the Easter eggs, which I'm still editing. That was two hours worth of Easter eggs. So it feel like everything that happened last week encompasses like a month worth of stuff. Exactly. No, I mean, lot. I mean, I loved last just to sort of give viewers or listeners, I should say, the a recap since I wasn't on last week's episode because I was sick. Uh, right. I, I really loved last week's episode, but oh my gosh, so many Easter eggs! It was it was a poker. I'm glad that I don't do the Easter egg game because I would have I would have been there forever. <laughs> I did not. I did not. You like show me the images that you made, and I was like, I I do not envy you this task, but it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> I'm just, my favorite was we got to see the little game visor, the thing that gave everyone their orgasms over in, in the episode. Yes. <laughs> in the game, that was my personal yep. favorite. <laughs> uh, in fact, I believe the time that you went and saw Night Shift, the same person who wrote that episode was there. Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I yeah. love that episode. It's just, that's one of those, like, it's an enjoyable, it's a good episode, but it's so weird. <laughs> he wrote it because he was obsessed with Tetris. <laughs> and he wanted something that, like, talked about that obsession about video games. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it, yeah. He, he also wrote... Uh, Tetris uh, did... What, uh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, now that I'm thinking about... Wait, what is he doing with Tetris? Is he like... Well, oh, yeah, every time... No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, clearing those blocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there's like taking the story and then expanding it and using fiction. No, we all know that what writers put on the screen is their literal uh, their literal thoughts yes. and desires. We can't separate the two. Well, he also wrote Menage à Troy. I mean, so... there we go. There <laughs> we go. It just proves it. <laughs> but the reason I met him was because he wrote the last episode of the animated series, oh, shoot. Uh, The Counterclock Incident. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great one. That's a classic one. Introduction yep. of Robert He April. had the... Uh... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And his wife. I bet no when one he remembers. said, <laughs> "Oh, that, well, it's funny because we t- his his name the the uh, writer is um, Fred Bronson, mm-hmm. and I was joking. It's like his his he had a um, a pen name because 
when he wrote the episode, he worked for NBC, and they didn't want any kind of feeling of impropriety. So he became, changed his name to, like, John Culver. <laughs> so in my brain, I think Culver and Bronson, which are both, like, you know, Bronson Canyon, mm. Culver City. Mm. And so I constantly have to pause, and there's, like, this... I don't remember your name because I cannot <laughs> unerase the, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Fred, uh, he he was so excited when he heard about Enterprise because he believed, you know, the first Enterprise, he thought it was going to be about Robert April. Oh, poor guy, poor guy. Yeah, and then he was like, no. So well, now I'm he's got really Strange New Worlds. Oh, Robert April and Strange New Worlds, no. yes. Somewhere. <laughs> Maybe, I hope we I'm, see him somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. yeah we, might, we might. You might actually see him on Strange New Worlds. It might pop in. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, be around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's uh, that was that was kind of fun. Hey, Aaron from the future here. Uh, I cut myself off. Basically, I was going to mention that Sarah April, Robert April's wife, in the show is called Mrs. April. Fred said, had that been made today, she would have got her proper due and been called Dr. April. Okay, back to the past. Uh, but the, we did discover a new Easter egg just before, like, yesterday. I'm, I'm wrapping them up. I'm like, I've, I put, like, a wall. I'm like, if we find more, <laughs> it's done. I'll tell you later. It's done. Yeah. Uh, we've, there is something that was staring me in the face the entire time is this yellowish box. It's a status, a stasis box from the Slaver Weapon from oh the animated god. series. Oh my god! They, they, the, the so animators, like, the animators oh. did their job. They earned their keep on that one. In fact, yes. uh, on my video review of the of the episode over on my channel, um, uh, one of the animators was in the comments and said that they were really excited that I, I loved the Easter eggs and they had fun doing that. So it's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's oh, really cool. Yeah, they they nice. they definitely did they definitely did their their money's worth. They 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 did a really great job. I think we've we've topped out so far at like sixty five, <laughs> so it's it's crazy. I mean, if they had been smart, they would have and stopped just at forty seven. If they would have stopped at forty seven, <laughs> if they were smart, yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually the first draft that I did stopped at forty seven. <laughs> Giant Spock was forty seven. That's perfect, perfect. And then we're just like, oh wait, then we just found tons of them. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, uh, and so, a little something else related to the animated series, really quickly. Uh, this morning, uh, Bill from the network sent me this image that he said like his wife was watching a preview for this upcoming episode of uh, Evil on CBS. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, look, there's an animated series thing. They're going to like a monastery where nobody has talked for like 100 years. Mm -hmm. And so they pull out their phone to like text instead of, you know, talking. And the phone doesn't have signal or it's, it doesn't work or something, which is weird. Um, so they bring out these, like, you know those little slates that you have when you're a kid that you write on yeah, 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 and then you peel back? Yeah. Yeah. So they brought out these ones, and they had, like, they were all, like, toy. One was Casper the Friendly Ghost or whatever, and the last one was Star Trek the Animated Series. Oh, shoot. So I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But then my brain stopped, and, like, it said copyright 1989. I'm like, it, didn't, it wasn't called the Animated Series then. And then I looked at the graphic and realized it's the graphic I created for CBS All Access. Oh, it is literally that... my design. Like at the top of the page, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, that's mine. You're an <laughs> evil. So You're weird. evil. You're evil. <laughs> yes, You're evil. I, yes, I am evil. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. Like, I want to know what I have to do to get the prop. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want that. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, yeah. Because somebody's like, well, if it wasn't called Star Trek the Animated Series in 1989, what was it called? I'm like, it was called Star Trek, the Animated Adventures of Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. A <laughs> little bit of a mouthful. A <laughs> little bit of a mouthful. It's a, it's a palindrome. It's like it's a warp bubble that collapses in on itself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a time loop. It's a time loop.
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of time, I know that we are both pressed for it. So let's dive right into the review of We Will Always Have Tom Perez, which I love that yeah. title. Yeah, it's a great title. Nice reference to Star Trek The, the Next Generation as well. And then obviously playing in Tom Perez. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Yes. One of the few good next uh, few good first season, like legitimately good first season episodes of Next Generation. Yeah, like there, ne- there's some clunkers. <laughs> like early next gen is is interesting. It's like it's bad in an interesting way, not like a boring way, like Star Trek Voyager seasons one, right. season one. But uh, it, it's it, it's certainly not not. It's it's best. in a what is new Star Trek going to be like kind of way. Yeah, like you're not quite sure. Like oh, it's it, you get the, like vibes of those shows that would be on at five o'clock on a Saturday mm-hmm. that were you know time tracks and. All those different uh, kind of syndicated cheap sci-fi shows or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So it all kind of fell in there, and then it could have stayed there if they had not kind of course corrected. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, we should talk about the episode at hand. Yeah. Um, So what do you want to talk about first? I'm assuming we're going to just split this up by storyline because there's three different storylines. Yeah, why don't we... Take it by storylines. Why don't we take the uh, maybe the largest one first with uh, Mariner and Tendi? Cool, because it's something we actually talked about. Because we we were so like, why don't we see Marion? Marion, Marion, great, yeah, uh, made Marion. Why don't we see uh, you know Mariner and Tendi together doing a mission and pairing people off differently? And then it happened. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they even had the conversation uh, I, 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 that we had practically. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, like Mariner so and Teddy literally have this conversation. We're like, we don't, we we totally haven't hung out. It's like, wait, no, we must. Have. No, we didn't. It just felt that literally felt <laughs> like the writers being like, oh, we're gonna address this criticism yeah. head on. But I, I liked that. I, I loved that because it actually was the the writers taking the criticism from season one that I, I know I and a bunch of other people had, um, and, and actually making it not not just addressing it, but like making it a character thing. Because this whole uh, arc of this this storyline is Mariner and Tendi are friends, but they don't really know each other all that well. And so I really yeah. like that it was sort of like a meta commentary on like a cri- addressing the criticisms of their own writing, but actually making it uh, a-, a character thing as well. Like I thought that was just so smart and cool. I mean, you don't know my first name, so <laughs> is it uh, Arun? Arun? Yeah, Arun. Yes, uh, it's Arin. Arin. Her, her, her. You can you can ask somebody like a a Starbucks, and I got A I R O E N once. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Arion or something like that. My my favorite one that I uh, my favorite that I've ever got was um oh god why am I why am I blanking on his name the guy who made the the movie The Room. Mm-hmm. The like really bad oh, movie. Uh, um, I, Tommy was so Tommy was so. I went to a screening of The yeah. Room in L A. Tommy Wiseau was there, oh, and yeah. I got I got I got a copy of the DVD signed by him, and I went up to him and said, "Oh, sign it over to Jesse." I have I, mm-hmm. I, I still have the DVD. He spelled Jesse with a Y, and I don't know. It's like oh. Jayusi, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how he got there, <laughs> but that's my favorite misspelling <laughs> I ever got in my life. But anyways, that's great. Yes, but so yeah, so we basically learned that you know, like they they I love that they're. Their journey. Well, we'll explain what the, what what they're doing. They basically, Doctor Tiana, who appears to be in like heat, possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah it, <laughs> or something. Yeah, she's she needs um 
She she needs something delivered for for uh, uh, just to picked up for 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 her and so Tendi who's sort of like in this place like I'm eager to please mm-hmm. I want to try and actually uh, work on uh, promoting myself get a tent get people to see me um, she yeah. volunteers for the mission and she just doesn't care yeah exactly <laughs> just, like, just do it <laughs> and yeah volunteers for the mission and so she goes with Mariner because they haven't like hung out to get together and so they go to girls a trip. yeah girls trip a lot of fun uh, so they go to a planet that's it was very like uh, free cloud as like Stardust City esque it wasn't that. Yes, it wasn't, but there there are some similar things. Like, so I actually put that these are. I won't go over the tons of Easter. Which, egg, by the way, Free Free Cloud Stardust City being the uh, the casino planet that they visit in uh, Star Trek Picard. Uh, Quaylar Two, I think, is where they were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, what they had the Zebulon sisters, a neon sign. Uh, we had quarks, uh, Vic Fontaines, mm. and the, my favorite thing was like. Just as it's zooming in, you just catch a corner of it. You see a person with uh, mo- a woman with multiple arms playing a piano, and that is from Unification uh, Part Two, where they go into this bar and there's a woman named Amory, uh, who is a female musician who's who played the piano. She sang uh, the the uh, opera that Worf sang along with, yeah, and everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, she's become somewhat famous, and she has a, a at least a neon sign. Yeah, um, I mean, and that scene had something neon, that I love. If you have a neon sign, you know you're famous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, at least in Star Trek, at least. Um, my my favorite little bit about that is that they have a sweep edit, which is something that you do in improv too. Sometimes where it's, somebody oh, walks yeah, across yeah. The, the the screen of the stage and sort of pulls it, and it just wipes out. So they did this person like walking by and it wiped into the next scene, which I thought was visually really nice. Yeah, I like that. That was good. Um, and then we also get Klingon acid punk during this, which is awesome. And like, I totally yes. want to uh, remind. I want a whole thing of that though. Um, I don't know if you know her. Uh, there's a person named Klingon Pop Warrior who's uh, she does. Um, she's on Twitter, uh, and and she oh. she has her own music where she like sings pop songs, but in Klingon, does really great stuff. She she wow. voiced she did voice over one of my videos, and she's absolutely wonderful. I'd highly recommend checking her out. That's her fantastic. Music is wonderful. She's actually sang with uh, Mary Chifo uh, once. So I was gonna say, didn't Mary just do like a a kind of a rock? Uh, a ballad in uh, Klingon, yeah, in Star Trek, Star Trek Online, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. Klingon, Klingon opera, Klingon acid punk. It's it's coming up. It's coming up. We should, yeah. I mean, hopefully they'll actually put that together at some. If nothing, nothing else, like in Chicago in, in next April. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll be, have Mary sing some Klingon acid punk. That would that would be a lot of fun. It was, it's it, I would be down for it. Awesome, but uh, but anyways, yeah. So they they pick up yeah. uh, Doctor Taana's uh, thing, which turns out to be a scratching post sort of thing, like a like yeah. a hand me down scratching. This post. is the first time we get Cation like real Cation information yeah, because like culture. Yeah. the we've known about Mares her name. Mm-hmm. There is the kind of unofficial bio that they did at around the same time, mm-hmm. but there's never been any kind of and she and real... she was in the co- she was in the comics too for. Amount too. Yeah, but I mean, canon on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, information, I guess. So, so now this is technically, you know, part of their their lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have hand me down scratching posts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was uh, that was really funny in that bit. But obviously, Mariner having fun breaks it. Um, oh yeah. So they go off. She's like, Ew! Don't. She touched this. Horny grandma touched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go off to a bar a, on a starbase uh, to try and get it fixed, and it costs a lot of money. So they have to uh, play some games against some Nausikins, kind of clearly referencing uh, Tapestry, the episode where Picard uh, got stabbed in the heart as a as a mm-hmm. cadet uh, by Nausikins. Um 
what I liked, okay, so here's my here's my nerd out bit that I really liked about this. I, and I don't know if it was, I believe it was here. Yeah, there's like a reference to the fact where like, oh, she's using her pheromones to trick them because she's Orion. I believe the Gnostics yes. mentioned that. Which, this is something that I was always excited about because this is the weird like little tidbit of information from Star Trek Enterprise that never gets referenced again. And and I was like, I've always like wanted it addressed because it's kind of messed up. But in Star Trek Enterprise, the, the Orion episode of that show... Where we mm-hmm. learn that Orion women who have been seen as slaves actually only pretend to be slaves because they actually use pheromones to control all the men in their society. So actually women are on top. But we, which has its own, like, it was the writers trying to, like, fix this problem of, like, yeah, yeah we've had slaves in Star Trek for forever and that's kind of messed up. So we'll try and fix it. But it, then it, like, has this unintentional thing. It's like, well, now the men are the one unconsenting to sexual yeah. things. So it's, like, not much better it's kind of still weird and messed up um and and like plays into the like trickster women like uh sort of thing yeah exactly it's it's honestly it's one of those Mm -hmm. star trek enterprise things where like they try to fix things and made it (laughs) much much worse but but anyways i like (laughs) this a little bit because it references that and it actually fixes a little bit of it because they say like uh attendee says i'm not one of those orion so there's apparently like different forms of orions that have the different pheromones uh, sort of thing. So that's that's like a nice little like building out of Orion society and a Star Trek Enterprise continuity fix to a continuity fix. So I was like, I was I was here for it. That's my weird nerdy niche bit of this that I really enjoyed. Well, it kind of makes sense because I don't think a society would function super well if everybody was like that. It yeah, you know, Star Trek and world building. It's always it always makes sense, right? Yeah. But I, I do love later when we actually hear Orion's talking and. And mm. Mariner jokingly says, "Oh, I'm I'm allergic to pheromones." He goes like, "Oh, I hear you, sister. It's like it's so bad this time of year. Like <laughs> yeah. I just imagine like there's pheromones blowing in the wind everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that great. was crazy. It was absolutely wonderful. I love that. Um, and speaking but- of that scene, where they're basically they they they, they were fighting or they uh, they came to the Nausicans, and I love the fact that she starts giving it, the Nausicans thinks that Tendi cheated because she actually won. Mm. Um, and so Mariner's like starting to give this really detailed, like Starfleet officers don't cheat. We and then she's like Latinum and just th- <laughs> throws the Latinum in their face and they yeah. run. Yeah. So I love that she was headed for like a real heartfelt well, Star, Star Trek, Trek speech and just yeah. throws money right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then they run out and they have to go like, you know, they have that kind of heart to heart where. Mariner and Tendi, and you know, Tendi has this like, you know, I, I don't have it as easy as you do. I have this, there's this impression of Orion's that we're all pirates and thieves. And, he's, and she's like, oh, wait, we can get my, my cousin to fix this. It's like, oh, where is he? Oh, he's a pirate in the thieves' den. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, so. It's funny, but I, I love that because it, it, it's, it is starting to do yeah. that, like, storm, like normal uh, or typical Star Trekian thing of like the outsider character alien who like comments mm-hmm. on, on kind of like a... nog nog would be the one that i sort of thought right of. Yeah. exactly yeah I, and yeah. i love that and, and that was one of my critiques of season one of of uh lower decks in that is um tending a little less so rutherford was more the one that i had uh, more of an issue with but it was it was like Rutherford and Tendi were these really interesting cultures and, and had their own unique quirks, uh, but they weren't really utilized to their fullest. And so I'm really liking that this, mm-hmm. like, you're, you're starting to get the sense of, like, oh, because Tendi is Orion, she has to, like, work a little bit harder. She has to work a little bit harder to get to know she feels this burden on her. And, and She's so I always that. working. Yeah, like. exactly. So I, I liked that, that, like, little piece of added uh, characterization to her and really sort of 
fleshing her out. It, yeah. it, it's it's joking and funny, but also like I think it really adds a lot of like depth to her like excited character character because it's like she's always trying to please, and that's something that I super relate to quite a bit. Like I'm someone who's like I'm always trying to please, and, and it just proves to me that Tendi is is essentially me. Um, so I just I thought it was like a really quick moment, but it, it just really it, it shows me how it, this is why I love this show so much because they managed to make things funny and yet also. Um, are able to like really have deep character moments at the same time, even though it's just so quick. And I think sometimes those deep character moments actually land better with the humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something like very natural and and l- less preachy about it that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I, it's just it, it's moment like this. Honestly, this storyline um, is my favorite episode, like storyline of the season so far. Um, and 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 yeah. it's because of moments I like agree. that. Yeah. And I, I love when uh, there's a couple kind of self-referential to like to uh, Tawny Newsom when basically they have to go to this this thieves den and so she is going to basically paint herself green so she looks like she's an Orion yeah green and green she's face, just like essentially. <laughs> green yeah basically yeah so she has this sort of like. I don't know if this is actually right. <laughs> yeah. like, Please don't take any photos of me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, really good. Great. It was really good. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, it, it's a bit, it's a bit messed up. <laughs> yeah. So. And I, I, but I think my favorite part has to be though when we see Tendi's cousin, mm. and he is hot. I mean, he is <laughs> yeah, just like hot. he's like Thor, like he's doing iron work. He literally has Mjolnir like, in yeah, his hand. It yeah. was, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but he references. Yep. But he references. Um, he uh, this causes Mariner to reference like, oh, I'm always into like, I'm always into guys, and I'm into girls, and I'm into non-binary people, uh, which I really, really love for and binars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for two two, <laughs> two reasons that I really, really love this scene, and I mention it in my my overall review of the episode. Number one, uh, first, like uh, officially a confirmed canonical bisexual slash pansexual character, lead character in Star Trek. Arguably, you could say Jed Dax or Seven of Nine might might technically be first but they weren't really confirmed um you, yeah. you, you could argue and it also wasn't there it was like a technicality in some ways at least yeah. like jedzia i mean jedzia's technicality i would say I mean? seven it's of nine a- they did the writer did technically confirm that she is bi but we it's not like it was True. like they held hands on screen it wasn't like officially confirmed yeah so this is this is official right. confirmation in tv language it's it's <laughs> it's an, yeah in, in in queer coding it's enough but um yeah it's disappointing for its own reasons, but uh, that, that's my own frustrations yeah. with Star Trek Picard. Aside, I love this. This is official confirmation. It's stating it, and yes. it's doing it well. And then the next thing is I really love that she mentions non-binary people. I, I think she says non-binary babes, but it's like referencing non-binary people as people and not like aliens. And so she says binars, which is great, but like mm-hmm. non-binary, she like mentions non-binary people I think that was more people. part of the joke. Just... No, I know, I know, but yeah. I, it is, it's subtle, but I have to I have to state, like I know it's subtle, but it's so important because in Star Trek, non-binary people have typically been coded, outside of Star Trek Discovery, Non-binary people have typically been coded as alien other rather than just existing as ourselves. Well, they've been aliens, basically. Exactly. And so I, I just really – I like that it's small, it's it's subtle, it's not a yeah. big deal, but I appreciated it very much. It meant a lot to me. Uh, Officially confirmed uh, bisexual character is awesome. I was originally hoping that maybe Rutherford would be a bisexual because the way in Crisis Point – they had painted the hologram to like the way he he felt about Billups, but <laughs> I could honestly that also was a hologram. So I, who knows? I could see that. I could also see Rutherford being asexual. Interestingly enough, but we'll see. Yes, like not not a romantic. Definitely definitely not a romantic, but maybe asexual. So. 
No. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, so, so yeah, so that was that was awesome. Yeah. And there, of course, that went completely south. And they also it the 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 scratching post kept getting more and more destroyed <laughs> yeah. as time went on. There's like, um, and yet so and tend- somebody sees her hand change color and then realize that oh. Mariner is faking it. Uh, yeah. Human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so they try to escape, but they lose the scratching post. Um, Tendi decides to let the scratching post drop. Um, yeah, they have to go climb up uh, with ropes up to a, a like a, a tower that has the ship, I think, on top mm-hmm. of. Um, but they escape. Uh, they become better friends. They sort of like confirm, like, hey, they they have that sort of heart to heart moment where Tendi says, like, I try to please other people, and and Mariner's like, I don't really like let myself get close to people because I feel like I get abandoned. Again, good character moments, good character building. I really loved that. Um, but then there's the really great moment where she's like attacking. She's like, I'm going to do this for you. Friendship. And she like rams the shuttle pod into the yeah, ship. This morning. Yeah. This this morning you were my colleague. Now you're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Ramming speed. And I, I just love the fact that what's happening. We'll get to that. But there's yeah. other stuff happening on the bridge. And the captain just looks over. And it's like, <laughs> what is uh, captain, the uh, shuttle is coming straight. And she's like, what is going on? <laughs> just like this, this incredulous. And it like flies. At the, and it goes. Doink. It just sort of bounces off the shield. My favorite is like damage report. Uh, none, sir. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. Um, uh, and, and her idea is that basically she's going to make it look like, oh, the damage to the scratching post happened when the shuttle bumped into the... <laughs> and the excuse was that there was a bee in the shuttle. Yeah, of course, which gets her sent to the brig, which is great. Right, yeah, because... what did it, oh. Which is funny, because like I... What uh, Jack was saying is like, how did a bee get into a shuttle in space? Mm-hmm. Well, the bee could have been in there when they took off. I mean, it's, that's it's silly, true. But yeah, it's possible. Yes. But, but anyways, send the bee to the brig. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and and it turns out that uh, everything's all fine because Taana didn't really want the scratching post. She just wanted the box, which was just be wondering is like why she couldn't just Very have gotten a, gotten a box from anywhere. But what are you gonna do? Um, but but good. Maybe it was the box that she loved when she was younger, or something like maybe, that. Maybe it's yeah. some specific box. Maybe maybe it's a sex box. I I'm not no judgment. But I, yeah, I love when she she kind of crawls into it, and then you just see her tail kind of inside of her office. And yeah, the, the guy the in the front is just like, just what? Sort of, like oh, this is uncomfortable. Looks over the other side. Um, so that was wonderful. Um, so we yes. want to jump to the. That was a really good I, main plot. Easily, line. easily. Uh, this is. Best one of the season so far. Best plot line of the season so far. Uh, yeah. Definitely up there for overall of the show. I, it's not better than like Crisis Point, I think, which is still my my number one of the show so far. But it, yeah. it's definitely up there. Yep. So. Definitely. Uh, next uh, plot line, your choice. Uh, let's go with <laughs> let's uh, let's go with Rutherford because I feel like that's where we're gonna have the most negative stuff to say, um, and then we can end on Boimler, which has some of the more positive stuff. So. Okay. Well, we'll compliment sandwich this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Rutherford. So yeah, so uh, beginning of the episode, Rutherford is. They're all in the um, Ten Forward Cafe thing. I don't know if it's called Ten Forward or whatever, yeah. but the Cerritos Cafe. It needs a yeah, name. Yeah, I need something. <laughs> um, the, Cerritos the, Cafe. The, the, bar, like the bar or whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, Rutherford notices that Shax is back. So just randomly, Shax is back. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but just to sort of get into what this plot line essentially is, is Rutherford basically is kind of freaking out because obviously Shax died saving his life. And so now he just kind of like has this obsession with knowing how he came back. He just needs to know. But apparently like, uh, you know, uh, bridge crew members come back all the time and people don't really tell them. Um, 
because they because presumably it's because they're ensigns and ensigns don't are not a need to know basis. So right. we'll get into how this plays out, and I have more positive things for how this plays out. But how do we feel about Shaq's coming back? It's yeah, I I feel like it really undid the emotional impact of his death in the finale. Yeah. Um, I I am 100% with you. I it, yeah. So I had a, a, a online conversation with Mike McMahon and I kind of said that basically it's like, "Hey, you know." And he says, "One, you don't always know what's going to land with people. So you don't know what's going to impact them." Like I feel like nobody really realized the impact that having giant Spock skeleton was going to have. Mm. Um, that seemed to have much more, like, people were more weirded out by it than I expected. I expected to be weirded out by it, because that's just my thing. But everybody was just like, wow, that's dark. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I thought it was pretty like, dark. I mean, I thought it was funny, um, but it was it was definitely dark funny. But I like, I'm, I'm dark like right. that. So. so he said this is something he had been planning since, like, before the show started. Because mm. this always happens. You have, like strange things happen and the people who are in who are ensigns or just in the background they're they aren't aware of what we're the audience aware of of like oh it's a transporter clone it's a you know whatever it's like to them it's just bizarre and they don't ever get to know why so he said since this show is not upper decks it's lower decks we have to have it from their viewpoint and that's a, a quintessential part of the Star Trek experience of having, you know, some random person come back to life or a copy or whatever show up. And I, I get that. And I, and I like that. So, so here's my thought on it. And, and this kind of gets into, we'll talk about some of the specifics, but this gets into how this resolves for me. Because part of how this resolves is kind of tied into how I feel this. Um, mm-hmm. my, my feeling on it is, I agree with you. I do feel like it undercuts the emotion because I really feel like one of the things that I really liked about the finale and his death was it really made his, it made the, it made Lower Decks feel like while this is a comedy show, it feels like a show with stakes. It feels like a show that, that earns yeah. stuff and sticks with it. And doing this, mm-hmm. and then a couple of, this has been kind of the case this whole season where things have been slowly resetting back to the status quo of the end of season one to a degree. And while the emotional through lines have always have been continuing forward, I've been enjoying that. And I enjoy that Rutherford actually has like kind of trauma about like seeing Shaq's back. And that actually plays in this episode. So I really yeah. love that they carry forward the emotional continuity and the emotional uh, stakes of this. But the show is slowly like resetting the stakes of 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 the the physical stakes of everything, and doing this, I feel like really kind of cheapens that. And 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 it was something. Boimler's back. Shax is back. Yeah, and and things with Mariner kind of back to normal with stuff. And, and so it's it just kind of disappoints me a little bit because yeah. it's like one of the things that I really loved off of season one was like this was a show that like was funny, was light, but yet still seemed to have stakes. And yet it's it seems to be kind of going back on that. That that being said, the emotional stakes, I think they 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 nail the emotional stakes with their characters spot on. And that I will give them credit for. Yes. But this I think undercuts it. Yeah, yeah. And while I get the I actually understand Mike McMahon's argument there that you were sort of saying that like this is about a this is like a meta commentary on like characters coming back and not having that. And that's actually, I think a smart sort of commentary. That's actually a really cool idea. I think you could have done that by like killing a character and coming back like in the episode rather than like, rather than like undoing this like big impact. But I also understand like him not understanding that the Shaq's death would, because this show, this season was written while lower deck season one wasn't even out yet. Um, So like not understanding, not understanding that that was going to have that big of an impact, but also, yeah, 
the thing that gets me is and the question is did it have that big of an impact or was it just how we feel i, I feel like, i feel like, like a lot of people really I, hit I, on it like i feel like a lot of people really felt okay. the emotion of that like i i remember like even my i watched this show with it a seems friend. like it yeah i watched a show with a friend who doesn't care about star trek really at all um and she was like kind of tearing up at, at that that it was it was a really strong no. i thought it was really strong um yeah. And 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 speaks to the emotional core that the show is really able to deliver on, even in short bursts. Like they they can do a character arc really right. well in short bursts. Um, but anyways, um, but the thing that gets me with the commentary is the way that this ends is they basically learn that Rutherford basically learns that the reason that they don't learn the truth about these events is because they're the they're trying to protect the ensigns like checks is like we're trying to protect you from the dark secrets that come with coming back to life and like goes on this big explanation which to me doesn't feel like it's really that big of a meta commentary if that makes sense because like if you watch other episodes of star trek or like other moments where characters come back and like other fictions Mm-hmm. It's never this like, oh, it's this dark fight with death and this like weird trauma. Like it's it like the only traumatic like unless it's Buffy. Yeah, yeah, like Buffy. Buffy had that. Like Buffy, she was like she was basically pulled back from being and she remembered and she remembered in you know yeah, had this yeah, yeah yeah. So I mean that that kind of stakes makes sense, but I don't ever like I agree with you. It's like I don't feel like that ever was kind of telegraphed in star trek that much yeah and so like while the trauma part of it makes sense because like him like having trauma of coming back like that mirrors like culber and discovery and and and, like even picard coming back from the borg like there's elements of that right um that that they're in like in this whole like him having trauma but the revelation that like oh they don't tell the lower deckers because it's like some sort of like protecting them from this dark secret stuff that doesn't feel like it's really commenting on anything uh, pertinent to fiction, if that makes any sense, it do- it doesn't feel like yeah. it's as smart a yeah, a critical commentary as the show is usually good at doing. And so I feel like bringing him back cheapens his death in a in a in for a commentary that is not as pointed or as strong as it ultimately could be. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, it feels like his dark secret was more like the Bajoran afterlife or something like that more than anything that was applicable to like everybody or, you know, that situation in general. There was a a, a good scene when Rutherford was like imagining what might be. And they basically, you get multi versions of Shaq. That was all these different things. That was a great scene. I did enjoy that. And the the enterprise, like they get the Neelix one. You, you, you had the, you had a whole bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we have a, a mirror, mirror, mirror version of him, a Borg, uh, I love this one. A microscopic civilization brought me back <laughs> to life and uses my body as a power source for a tiny Dyson sphere. So that was hilarious. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, there's one where he was in Neelix's uniform, uh, probably Moriarty's costume. Uh, there's the transporter accident version. Uh, there's a TOS uniform. There's an Enterprise uniform, which we actually finally get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell yeah. There's Here something with the Nexus. Yeah. And there's, there's little bits and pieces of audio you can... Can, which I can't wait to actually freeze when we get the the version with the subtitles. I would mm-hmm. love to have the screeners have subtitles. Um, where where you hear it's like it's always Christmas in the Nexus, and the other <laughs> one's like, what was? <laughs> yeah, that was great. My favorite though is I know that you you will love this is what was the deal with DePaul's haircut? Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, yeah. 
I mean, the better question, honestly, Tafal so has silly. weird haircuts, but Janeway is the one. Janeway's hair was always the one that like concerned me because well, it changed yes. episode to episode. That was they were more worried about Janeway's hair than her script half the time. It seems oh, like the behind the scenes information. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had to reshoot like the first, like three fourths of the first episode of, of uh, because. They just oh, we're gonna have her hair be different. Yeah, there's there's literally there's one episode where her hair changes in like mid scene. It's 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 weird. It's just yeah. insane. Um, but yeah, so I love when she got to have 1996 hair. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And, and she kept it. And she kept the little thing in it for a while afterwards. I like, so it was kind of yeah, nice. it was fun. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, I ultimately uh, not super high on this storyline, but that scene was great. Yeah. So yes. Um, do you want to move on to? And, yeah, oh, and like you said, his emotional trauma is is was really yeah, and I, spot on. Yeah, exactly. Again, the, the, as much as I can say about this, this show rolling back some of the physical stakes, uh, the emotional stakes have always yeah. stayed on point so far. So I, I can't knock that. They 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 handle anything. The emotionality of what the characters go through stays, and I like that. So yeah. Um, so this one gets us our big cameo. Finally, we get to have uh, Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil back as Tom Paris, which I, I really like the the trailer, the like season two trailer that they showed didn't spoil. They showed that Tom Paris was going to come back as the plate, but they didn't show that he was going to physically be visiting, be visiting <laughs> yes. the Cerritos. I like which that. Is great. It was awesome to see, see him actually yeah. come on. So what's really fun is, uh, just following everybody on Twitter, that one of the writers <laughs> said that, uh, well, we we kept that a secret by showing in the trailers that Plo Koon from Star Wars <laughs> was going to be the one. So you just see Tom Paris standing in the turbo lift, but it's the head on top of it. Yeah. And my response was, that's not a Star Wars character. That's just a Draymond from the Albatross, <laughs> the animated series with a scary mask. And it, it does. It looks surprisingly like that. Yeah. And so he responded, canon. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It's great. It's absolutely great. Love it. Um, but yeah, so uh, he's all excited. Wants to get his plate signed by uh, by Tom Paris, which he also references Voy. He calls it Voy. Which, Voy. By the way. Yeah. Which is the abbreviation that a lot of people call the Star Trek show. Which, by the way, after Toss and Voy, I want to ask Mike McMahon if we ever get the chance. D- does he does he actually say the names of those abbreviations? Voy? Does he say Voy or dis- Disnin or Tunga? Because, like, I always said TOS, It would have to be Verge, VGR. Yeah, I always said VOI. I always said DS9. I never said, like, Tunga. I know some people who say TOS, but I always say TNG or TOS, or I just say it as Yeah. I wouldn't say TAS for the animated series. That would just be weird. Yeah. I really want to ask him that. Just, like, do you say Tunga? Do you say for Next Generation? Ent? Do you say Ent for Enterprise? Ent? Oh, yeah. Disc, disc, disc yeah. for discovery, uh, or yeah. pick, pick for Picard. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Pickard. But uh, but anyways, uh, what I like about this storyline, speaking of emotional yes. uh, through lines, is um, there's a glitch going on in the ship that Boimler is not recognized by the ship, which is really really funny. <laughs> yes. But we start to learn as he's like trying to get to Tom Paris, get to the bridge to have everything signed. He's like crawling through the turbo lifts or through the 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 Jeffrey's tubes. He uh, says, like, uh, wh- where do I belong? And and you get the sense that, like, this is, like, him feeling out of place because he doesn't really know where he's supposed yeah. to be at the moment because of everything that happened to him last episode, which is, again... And he's also a duplicate now, or the original, one of the two. It's like, we, you know, 
it would be weird to know that there's another version of you, like not that far away, doing basically the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Like you're you're upstaged by yourself. You know, it's like weird. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like again emotional continuity in the show is is very strong, and so I like the humor being used to, sh- to tell strong emotion. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that he uh, when he he tries to get food in the very beginning. They finally, the, the the replicator finally gives him something. It's a bonsai tree. <laughs> yeah. He's just, yeah. just wanders away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, it's like, and, and Jed at one point says, hey, you know, do you want me to carry you th- across the threshold like a bride? <laughs> He's like, no, I can do this myself. And then so uh. Jet goes through and then he goes to go in and it just snaps his finger. He's like, oh, ow, 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 ow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so great physical comedy on top of that, too, because it's like you can, you you totally know what that would feel mm-hmm. like. And I know that we've had better off Ted jokes before, so this feels a little bit like the one where the elevator wasn't recognizing oh, yeah, people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let, let I love in. that episode. Great episode. <laughs> better off Ted is a great joke, by the way. People yeah. should watch that. Um, yes. But anyways, uh, so he's stuck in the Jeffries tubes, and he has to use the plate. He starts hallucinating Tom Paris, the plate talking to him. We get a couple scenes on the bridge with Tom Paris, like, yeah. saying, like, don't get us lost in the Delta Quadrant uh, uh, with... Uh, Oh yeah, she yeah. Captain Freeman, Freeman, says, yeah, Freeman that. says that. Um and eventually I would have liked him to said like I've never heard that one before. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um and then Boimler uh g- gets all high on the fumes and starts to look like a Kazon and eventually uses the plate to break out and, get, yes. and land on the bridge and Tom Paris she's like Kazon, which is great. <laughs> Cuz his hair does look it was like totally all like teased up and his dirty face. Oh yeah. Yeah, the trash bag Klingons. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always describe Klingons as, as trash bag or Kazon's trash bag Klingons. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that they brought that back. I think that was yeah, fantastic. yeah, I know it was wonderful. And so uh, Boimler gets beat up by uh, by Tom Paris, um, but then gets to go out for drinks with him later on and gets a black eye as like a nice little consolation prize. So it's like I got beat up by Tom Paris. That's how, I mean hell, I'd be proud of that. So. <laughs> yeah, once Mariner's just like, yeah, not many people can say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've been beat up by Tom Paris, which is great. Mm-hmm. It feels like a little dig at Tom Paris at the same time. Exactly. exactly. That's true, actually. I didn't even think about that. My favorite line happened in that scene um, where he turns around and he walks to the door and it doesn't open. He's like, no, 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 no. And Tendy's like, uh, I, that that's not a door. That's a wall with a seam. Yep. And he's like, oh. I might have a concussion. <laughs> like, walks but I just love the fact because they there are those walls that look like they should be doors, but they're not. And it's <laughs> yeah, just that's true. I think that's hilarious. No, that's actually great. It's a good little nod because yeah, that's it's just like weird modular yeah. design sort of thing. That that basically wraps up the episode with uh the only other thing is like yeah. Tendi and Mariner are like picking out acid punk albums together, which is kind of fun. So at the end, yeah. And if I was like. If, if last week hadn't happened, I probably would have taken the time to write down the Klingon characters, translate it, and tell you what they said. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Let someone else Yeah, that. fair. Fair. I fair. know that it probably is accurate and real Klingon words on there. Someone else can figure it out. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. Um so yeah, ultimately for me, I really, really loved this episode. Uh, the Shack stuff aside, I, I setting that aside, everything else was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and even the Shack spit had a few good jokes and scenes in it that I thought were really great. Um, I, I'm disappointed with the way Shacks returned, and I thought it was kind of cheap. But ultimately, overall, I think this was probably the strongest episode of the season so far. 
So I think that's about it for the uh, for this week. Uh, just want to mention that we are also sponsored by Fansets. So if you want to get a pin or something that, you know, lower decks, we have, there's Tendi, there's all the different characters, which is great. Uh, I'm wearing right now my uh, lower decks uh, com badge. Uh, you can get a discount if you use the full word drawn, all caps, 10% off everything, including the, like a gift card or, or anything. Uh, so yeah, so... Uh, fan sets has always been really good to us so uh be good to them <laughs> <laughs> my fan sets do it do it now do it yes they have a badge <laughs> program which is that's cool because like pretty much anything that has been a badge i think eventually is going to be like purchasable so i'm, I'm pretty excited about that here for it i mean hey merchandise it that's the star trek way commodify everything right yeah yeah, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this season uh, in Lower Decks, everything has a, a Starfleet Delta on it. I feel like they've they've doubled down on putting Deltas on everything, mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense than in Discovery. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair, fair, very fair. Which is like, why is there a Discovery? What is it? Why is there a symbol on your face? Or it's like, you'll remember what Starfleet killed you for the four seconds you're alive <laughs> before you die. It's like, it's our murder branding. It's murder branding. It's fine. It's fine. Murder branding. There you go. That's, that's gotta be the name of this episode. Murder branding. It's found at the very last end. We got it. We got it. Oh Oh, my God. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to let Jesse rest her voice because she's still coming back from, from that. I am just ready to fall over anyway, because of the day. So we will, we will catch you next time and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, everyone. Don't you give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute! Coconut! Ugh, damage report? None. That was weird.